The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning, everyone. Good morning. Delighted to be back with you today and delighted to see the bows and the greetings in the chat. It's really lovely. Special welcome to those of you who slipped in a little bit late and happy you could join us. So today is the second day of a five-part series building on the introduction to mindfulness that Gil has been unfolding over the last number of weeks. And these are other skills, capacities, elements of mindfulness that are really helpful to bring to the practice. So today is building on yesterday. Yesterday was a mindfulness of the very basic attribution of feeling tone or Vedana, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, that happens in practice and in life. It's really basic. Today is kind of the next layer our minds tend to add onto that experience which is a wanting or a not wanting, a leaning towards or away, a grasping or a pushing away. This is um, known as attitude of mind or mind state generally. And this wanting or not wanting can otherwise be known as greed or aversion greed or aversion. And it can range from the mildest wish to extraordinary desire, or the mildest, tiniest pulse of irritation all the way up through hostility and hatred. So there's quite a range here. But mostly I'm going to talk about it as wanting or not wanting. The um, These attitudes of mind can really distort experience. Like, for example, desire can be like those rose-tinted glasses. Everything looks beautiful. Everything looks nice, desirable. Or a dyed bowl of water is the ancient kind of simile in the Buddhist discourses. Whatever that water reflects takes on the cast of the dye. So it influences, it tints everything. For aversion, hatred, anger, hatred-tinted anger, hostility, the ancient discourses talk about boiling water, a roiling boil. And you can kind of get a sense in your body of what that feels like. Another dramatic simile that's used is that hatred or hostility is like picking up a hot coal to throw at someone else. Well, who gets hurt first? (laughs) So this kind of reactivity can be very um, obvious and like a pulse, like I'm describing with the hot coal, or it can be pervasive and kind of hidden or unconscious. It can be very strong or extraordinarily subtle. In any case, it tends to be instinctive. Thoughts can build on it. All by itself, these 
attitudes, emotion, emotional reactivity that I'm talking about aren't the sort of movement of emotion that Gil was talking about last week, but more default moods, atmospheres, ways of being that can shape the very way we take in experience. When pervasive unconscious attitudes are there, it's more like the waves under a boat, the soundtrack to a movie, a filter, a tint over the image, the general atmosphere of the sky. And in general, these kinds of attitudes, mind states can be broadly helpful or unhelpful. Today, I'm talking about the unhelpful ones. I will cover helpful ones more tomorrow. But unhelpful ones within the context of mindfulness meditation can be kind of like an old rippled pane of glass or a hall of mirrors. Distorts whatever's seen, and it can feed this recursive process of building more and more thinking or delusion on top of it. It can even distort the process of mindfulness itself, which is not so helpful. So a simple example here. I used to work at pain clinics for many years teaching meditation. And um, many practitioners have discovered that being mindful with unseen aversion to, for example, knee pain actually cultivates more aversion and it cultivates more pain, more perception of pain. This is a well-documented phenomenon. Being mindful with the attitude of greed can also increase greed. Greed for more experience. Greed for more of that pleasure, another state. In either case, sooner or later, often sooner, this kind of wanting, this leaning in or pushing against increases suffering. And, I mean, part of it is that it's inherent. The greed itself has the function of wanting. It also has the function of narrowing the gaze of tension, of kind of a leaning outwards that isn't so pleasant in of itself, regardless of how pleasant the object of attention seems. Aversion has the function of wanting to separate right, or even destroy strong aversion. And it also, it also has the function of creating more tension, creating more stress. So what to do? A mindfulness of wanting or not wanting, greed or aversion, inputs something different into the system. So these are subtle here. It's mindfulness with the aversion or greed or mindfulness of it. And it flips it from being a distortion filter to something that's seen. And this, just like noticing feeling tone, offers space. It offers a choice. A choice. It's possible when approaching this, these kinds of states, greed, aversion, wanting, not wanting, as objects of meditation, we can notice them as events, as processes in the mind and heart, which rather than allowing them 
to have authority or masquerade as truth or reality, then they're seen. They're no longer in control. And that's good news. It's the difference between meditating with a default state or an attitude versus noticing. And the noticing can come with a bit of clarity, mindfulness, and perhaps even a bit of kindness or equanimity. And this is kind of the magic of mindful awareness. It transforms what's seen. Instead of believing in it, feeding it, pumping it, noticing without spinning out allows greed and aversion to become a basis for wisdom, for self-awareness. They become food for discernment rather than fuel for delusion. So it can be super helpful to cultivate curiosity, interest with these attitudes. And one way of getting interested is to notice cause and effect. Notice the effect on your body, the effect on your mind. With mindfulness, our systems begin to recalibrate towards ease, simplicity, and away from stress or tension. And it's possible to take respite in the presence of mindful awareness itself, to begin to notice whatever attitudes arise with interest, patience, even joy. Over time, this can transform unhelpful attitudes of wanting and not wanting or worse and cultivate helpful ones, especially a stronger mindfulness especially a stronger equanimity, compassion, even stronger wisdom. So to recap, these attitudes, attitudes of wanting or not wanting, greed or aversion, are just a microsecond away, a nanosecond away from pleasant and unpleasant. There is a space in between, and there's also space to incorporate them into mindfulness afterwards. And this itself can help us utilize them as food for wisdom and awakening rather than continuing to be hooked by these states. So that's my little wrap today. And as we did yesterday, rather than talk at you, talk at you, talk at you, I want to offer a moment or two for questions in the chat. We have a lag, so I'm going to mute and have a sip of tea and wait for the questions to come in. But thank you very much for your practice. It's a real gift. It's a gift to the world.
Oh, a question about the guidance, where the guidance for this kind of um, practice comes from. Sherry, I can't think of a single one discourse off the top of my head. It comes from many, many discourses, but it's included in the um, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness. Um, so as a Buddhist and chronic pain practitioner, how much do you, of your Buddhism do you bring to treating patients? I don't do that work anymore so much, but it is very much about the compassion, the kindness, the acceptance. Okay, and then Andrea, I'm not sure I understand your question. I did give an example of knee pain getting worse. If we're aversive to it, it gets much worse. The alternative is to back away and notice the attitude towards the pain rather than the pain itself. And this principle works with all kinds of things in meditation. If there's an attitude towards something that's making making it worse, you can always take a step back and notice your relationship to that emotion, that attitude. That allows for... um, a little bit of space. So it's taking a step back, taking a step back. Okay, I'm having trouble keeping up with all of the chats here. We've got one minute left. We'll see what I can do. So, there are two excellent questions. Julie, yours is going to take longer, but just to simply say that Mindfulness absolutely is a mirror reflecting back what is. However, greed or aversion distort the mirror, the ripples in the mirror, or like a funhouse mirror. And equanimity, wisdom, causes the mirror to be completely clear, whereas delusion might have, you might have a mist over the mirror or a fog or another distortion. And then... Um, Re-explaining mindfulness as beneficial. There's a difference between leaning into aversion and being mindful of aversion. So noticing the noticing of the aversion actually starts to transform the aversion into information, into information. So that's the best I can do with a few seconds left. I hope that's helpful. And then finally, um, a couple of people were asking about Vedana, neutral Vedana. So um, neutral Vedana is a shorthand for neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling tone. And that really is the vast majority of our experience. The vast majority of it is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It's just kind of filtered out or ignored. There is an association, sometimes, not always, with neither pleasant nor unpleasant and with delusion. So I hope that's helpful. The topic today isn't really Vedana anymore, so I'll try to address this in a blog post later in a couple of weeks. Thank you all very much.
for your practice. Thank you for your questions, your engagement. And um, I'll look forward to being back with you tomorrow. Thank you, everyone.